0: Hello guys, David Bose here. It's really kind of cool here in Alabama today. And it's really cloudy and misty and having a wonderful day. Hope you're having a wonderful day where you are. Today I want to talk about something also very important. We do really need to know what's going on around us and a little bit about the bad guys because we need to find out who they are and avoid them. Um, this video isn't primarily a video about exposing Jehovah's Witnesses. Although, it's a pretty good, I think it'll end up being a very good video if you really want to share a video with somebody who is an ex-witness or something, because this is really going to expose Jehovah's Witnesses. But what it's really doing beyond that, is we are exposing the devil and his plans. And we were We're going to be able to understand then where Hollywood and the music industry and NASA and all of these things, these religions, Adventists and Mormons and other things, where all of this got started, why, and what's their game? What are they trying to do? We really need to be aware of what's going on. I think you guys will really enjoy this video. I think it will... Probably help us to understand things that we really haven't before understood. I think we're really getting some information together that's opening up doors of understanding for us so that we really know what's going on. Because as we said the other day, the last couple of videos we've been talking about this knowing, this is really what we need. We don't need any speculation, we don't need books, we don't need theories. We really We've got to come down to what is the truth now. We don't have time for speculation or theories. We have to find the truth so that we can act accordingly. And we don't have much time. So, in this video, we're going to talk about the Bavarians, how they came over here, what was their plan, who brought them over here, and uh, what are they doing now that they're here. So let me show you something. you probably heard of Aleister Crowley. Let me show you a little article here. Here comes the train. (laughs) Just in time. So it says, Did Aleister Crowley use an occult temple in the Hollywood Hills? Well, that would be an affirmative. Did Aleister Crowley use an occult temple in the Hollywood Hills? The British mystic Yeah, he was British, but he didn't come to Hollywood until he had gone to Germany and had been initiated into the great Illuminati, uh, the Vril Society, the Skull and Bones, and then he brought that sister organization to Hollywood, the Ordo Templi, whatever it's called. And so... He was a triple agent. He was working for the very high Illuminati organizations in the Freemasonry creating Freemason enterprises, one of which was Hollywood. But in each of these major countries, they have their organizations. They're all connected together in this family. That runs it from the top down. They are Bavarian by, by birth. They could be described as Transylvania, Bavarians, Bohemians, Swiss, Norwegian. That is a very small area. All of that that I just mentioned. Moldova, up into Ukraine, this area, some parts of Austria, there were giant castles. This was his entire area was basically uh, various tribes that now we have countries, but they were called the Germanic tribes. And they did take over the British in London. And so they had a full-blown control headquarters in London. And they set up also a headquarters in Washington. And they had other headquarters for various enterprises. In the West Coast, they set up Hollywood. And they called it Hollywood for a reason. It was their holy grove where they would initiate the entire world into the mysteries. Because this is exactly what they did. William Shakespeare was a playwright. They got involved in theater. And they presented the plays to the people as propaganda to teach them not the mysteries of Jesus the Lord, but they were teaching them the evil mysteries that the Apostle Paul calls the deep things of Satan. We are not to know the deep things of Satan. We don't need to know them. We can look at them cursively and see it's all upside down and backwards, and it's the darkness that they are trying to perpetuate. Their own works that we know, Plato joined them and wrote The Republic. And in that, he describes their plan to use this playing, this drama, as a way to indoctrinate the people and give them mythologies, or in other words, lie to the people. But impose the lie into their subconscious through repetitions, keeping them in the dark, the peasants, so that they would be ruled over by those who had an agenda. So this, these people that ruled the world had ruled the world from different locations. They had ruled the world from various places. They took over Egypt for a while. Probably... We know them in history as the Hyksoks, and they became Ptolemies. They went and took over areas in Europe. They went now, don't confuse them with, with the good guys, right? Who always, like Alexander the Great and Julius Caesar, defended the rights of the people and made libraries and the ancient mysteries that they taught. They weren't secret. They only were made secret because of the other organizations and governments in the world that tried to keep men from knowing that these mysteries, the brotherhood of love, and they would forbid teaching people the wisdom, the higher wisdom, because they needed to keep the people in control. So they they had no wisdom of their own, but they, they patterned their society, the evil ones, patterned their society after the good. Because they saw how it worked when you taught the people and educated them. When you made a gate to El and people came in unity to get to El and advance to become like the divine being that they might have eternal life, it was working. So Yahweh confused the languages. Deception is how he works. So, it says here the British mystic visited in November 1915 and described Angelinos, I guess that's Los Angeles, as a cinema crowd of cocaine-crazed sexual lunatics. So here in 1915, which is about the year that, this is about the time, and we'll read this in a little bit, that Charles Taze Russell had been bringing over these Germans to Hollywood. They were also in Jersey and uh, places in upper state New York and Philadelphia where Charles Taze Russell was buried in a grand Masonic the chief Masonic cemetery for the elites and on the top of the hill over all the other Masons that were laid to rest there is this grand pyramid with the laurel leaves that surround the crown and the cross. They want to have the victory and gain control by the law of Moses or the law of the God of vengeance and jealousy and hate to surround with the laurel leaves around the crown and the cross. Today, we have the laurel leaves surrounding the entire world in the UN emblem because they feel that they have conquered the world. They have the laurel leaves around emblems in Washington and the flag and the seals. You find these laurel leaves everywhere. They tried to put it in all the uh, symbols and seals in Washington and America here, too, when they came over to show they were taking over the Constitution, putting the gold fringe around the flag showing they have control of our republic. And you might remember we had shown the pictures of Chilago, which looks very likely to be the spot where, at least at some point in time, there was a type of capital, because there was the great building with the dome that looks a lot like Washington's Capitol building or the Vatican then there's the water basin and then at the other end there's this obelisk that was we don't know for sure what the who the obelisk was dedicated to but there's a big statue that was given to Chicago or given to America in about 1893 from France which at that point there were no good Freemasons or Templars, going back to Mary Magdalene as we've covered before, but they had already been taken over in 1307 the great Templar massacre, they destroyed them and infiltrated them if you want to know why we know that, it's because of Napoleon Bonaparte, you see, we know that they were massacred in 1307, and they fled to Scotland and they got on boats, and you know, as early as maybe thirteen, fourteen hundred. 1,400, they were already coming over here in the Nova Scotia, and the New Francia, in the Nova Francia. So they were already here for 300 years before the Pilgrims got here, or they were the some of the Pilgrims. But we know that by, I don't know, like 1,800 or so, the people that were in France claiming to be the Illuminati were infiltrated by... Adam Westhop's crew. The evil Bavarians. And we know this very specifically. There were really no good people over there making statues and giving them to America at that time. Because if any of the Templars had remained faithful and good that was there in France, they would have been wiped out by Napoleon Bonaparte. There was a huge revolution. They worshipped Liberty, yes, they threw their Bibles into the fire and burned them and put a woman, a naked woman, up on the platform and got down and worshipped her. This was this kind of liberated uh, orgy movement that was being pushed, not by the people, but by this fraternity and liberty which is not the Liberty and Justice for All by Washington, who was of the good side, because they came over, right, on their ships to create a land of freedom away from those evil people. But no, these were run by the Jesuits of the Catholic Church. They were in harmony with the Catholic Vatican now. They had taken over the Vatican for a long, long time ago. The Goths took over the Vatican in 405. And they had been controlling the Vatican in all of this Supposed Christianity since that time. So there were still Templars trying to get away. And they had their own Protestant religions. Now don't confuse that with like Calvinists and stuff like that. These people were all just in lockstep with these Bavarians. But there were good Christians still. Like Anabaptists and stuff. These were the pilgrims that came to America. And many of the original Protestants in America got started from Anabaptists. And, uh, you know, Quakers and different groups like that. I remember certain people, I think Job's Witnesses used to meddle in this, but Herbert Armstrong always talked about this. He somehow thought that his church, which was the Church of God, was a little group that he kind of took over. It was like only one church left or something. He became the pastor and then he somehow could trace this little Church of God all the way back to Christ. And I always thought, well, how silly, you know, really, I suppose any church could do that, but I didn't really know, uh, you know, how in the world a person could claim to be the true church that way, although there is a bit of truth to that, and here's why. You don't have to trace, like, through ordination, somebody laid his hands on somebody and he laid his hands on some. therefore you can trace yourself back to Christ or or Peter or something. I don't think anyone could do that. But what we can do is we can realize that the true church really were persecuted and and they were the original Gnostics. Sometimes they were called Cathars and other times they were called Waldensians or Albigensians. Why were they called Waldensians? Because they were followers of Peter Waldo. I'd love to tell you the story of Peter Waldo. I've done that before. It's a very important story. Most Christians have no idea we don't know our history, and of course, we wouldn't because they don't want us to know. Because they don't want us to know that there are true Christians that fled the persecution. And they didn't just flee any old direction. They went from where they were in the Languedoc, down in southern France, and Montpellier, and in, in, in Lyons, and uh, Martial, France. They went from there, and they drove them out up along the Rhine towards Paris. Well, then in thirteen oh seven they massacred them there, and by that time, by thirteen oh seven, there weren't they didn't tolerate them anymore. They drove them out. They went to Scotland and then from there to America. So we can we can trace their activity. They were persecuted, they were cathars, they were Gnostics, and they did not believe that Jehovah was the true deity. They believed he was the demiurge, Yaldoboth, or the devil. So yeah, originally, most that's why most Christians in America were very surprised when Jehovah's Witnesses were running around giving them pamphlets telling them the true deity had a name Jehovah. Today, most Christians don't know that that's a false satanic teaching that Yahweh was the devil. And so that's really when the one of the mile markers where we could say this is the great apostasy. There was a great apostasy in 400, 395, when the Goths took over the church. But there were still some remnants of this church on the earth until about this time in 1800, in the latter days, when they murdered Joseph Smith. I believe that was the end of an age, and the great apostasy arrived, and Joseph Smith said that the gospel would then go back unto the children of Israel. When Joseph Smith, the last of the true Templars going back to Mary Magdalene and the group there with Washington and Jefferson, when he stood there and they tried to, well, they martyred him and he said, look, if my life is worth nothing to you, it's worth nothing to me. I go like a lamb to the slaughter. But it will be said of me, died in cold blood. And then he proceeded to prophesy all the events that we've had since that time. Forty years in advance, he prophesied that we'd have the Civil War and it would start from the South Carolina succeeding from the Union. And then he proceeded to talk about how Brigham Young would lead the church to hell and they would go west and that the Constitution would be hanging by a thread. But you see, Joseph Smith said that this was really the great apostasy when the world then would have rejected, or the Gentiles would have rejected the gospel for the last time. Yeah, it was mostly these people fleeing, these pilgrims were mostly Anabaptists, Cathars, who were true Christians that came to America, and did have much of the truth. Uh, I'm sure they didn't know everything, but they certainly were not the same as the great apostasy that was raging, now taken over by the Ten Germanic tribes, the Goths, who destroyed and obliterated the teachings worldwide by means of organizations like Jehovah's Witnesses. So, in 1776, just like they made the Constitution here in America, they created the Illuminati there in Bavaria. They made the Bavarian Illuminati, which infiltrated all the organizations of the world. This was after John Dee and Edward Kelly opened up a channel to Satan and brought him up out of the bottomless pit and were devising a plan to take over the world. But William Miller, of course, the Adventists, they were good in their heart to begin with until they became dogmatic and began to, to, to fall into false doctrine. But um, Napoleon Bonaparte... Was according to even one of their own, Nostradamus, who was another Illuminati. But you know they could channel spirits. They could they could prophesy. Uh, only to a point. They whatever the devil knows, right? Which the devil can't predict the future very well, because the Lord, of course, has got his own plans. The devil's got his plans, but we don't. The devil never knows how far he's going to be able to go with his own plans, because He knows that the Heavenly Father will overrule most of his plans in the end. But they do have a plan. And they prophesied of their plan. Their plan is to take over the kingdom of Christ and destroy us. Those who are followers of Jesus. So when Napoleon Bonaparte, who by uh, Nostradamus' own mouth is one of the Antichrists, he had complete control of France, was even going to go and take Russia. He was trying to take the whole world. And he would never have stood for any loyal, true followers of Christ. This is why they had to flee and go to America. So the Bavarians were the apex of this, the Illuminati. Their headquarters was in somewhere there in Bavaria. The um, Wilhelm Institute was teaching many of these idols of the world like Marx and Einstein and Freud to go forth and teach the propaganda to the world. They pretended to, they had to have complete control of Germany, this is why they had World War I and World War II, which wiped out the, any, any possibility of normal folks controlling through any kind of Republican representation or democracy there in Germany. They had to have complete control. And in the process of having a war against Germany, which was never against the people, because the elite ruled in Russia and in America and England and everywhere else. And they were just fueling a fire in the world to get everybody to have a war against the people of Europe. Because there was so much, there were libraries, there, you know, I mean, this start, you know, Europe is Italy, right? This is where Christ and Mary Magdalene came with the Templars, were making libraries, and they were advancing. And so this is, they had to put a stop to that. Now, I could go on from here and tell you all about that, but that's not what this video is about. I'm just pointing out that it all started there in Europe, and their headquarters, where Dan went, finally, was Transylvania or Bavaria. Well, they then put their headquarter tentacles in London and Washington and, and Moscow. But it's always been Bavaria. So this this Illuminati bloodline, the higher-ups, they're all Bavarians. They're not British. They're not Americans. They're not French. They're of this specific group of individuals that lived in Bavaria. And so Alistair Crowley was one of these Bavarians. Now, he may have had British passports. He may have had American passports. But he also was affiliated with the German branch. And just like Hitler, I mean, they knew each other, the Vril Society. he, The Vril Society, or this huge Illuminati emissary of Satan that the very highest elites went to, to learn these, to, to get their little secret handshakes and learn the the, 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 the plan to take over the world but they could never tell anyone and then go out and infiltrate all the organizations and places of the world. So they created these societies and all of these societies that they made are all one society. They're all sister organizations. So you have the Brill Society in Germany. You have the Ordo Templi Orientis here in America on the West Coast. You have the Skull and Bones, a sister organization, on the East Coast. And the umbrella organization over all of these was the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. These are all secret societies. There was also the Theosophical Society that was created. But all of the societies, they usually put that in their title which indicates they are part of the great occult societies that run the world. They had to gain control of Congresses and Parliaments, yes, and that was important, and they had to gain control then, well, through that, they gained control of their finances and their banks, and they had uh, central banks, and they had, you know, federal, which never meant anything like the peoples, Right? Bank, but federal, even the, even the the whole federal party here, the Whig Party, and which became the Democratic and the Republican parties here in America, were created not by the Constitution, not by the people, but they were parties. That's not in the Constitution. They'll shall be a Democrat or a Republican, or we'll make parties and we'll do this. That's all made up. That's been imposed upon us. These parties, they are ruling us. And they infiltrated our Congress and the Parliament. But they're all from the Illuminati. And so, one of their chief individuals that went promoting the evil, the Grand Pupa, you know, all of you, was Aleister Crowley, who called himself the Beast. And when he created the Ordo Templi Orientis in America, it was based on the Freemasonry, Illuminati, the Vril Society in Germany. I'm only pointing out that Aleister Crowley was a mover and a shaker in all of this evil. And is looked up and worshipped because they have a grand wizard, shall you say, or the master mason that reigns over all of them and they take their orders because he was appointed to that position by Satan himself. So Alistair Crowley then had a school that was taken to Hollywood area, to the area there in California. Other organizations started from that point because they were students of Aleister Crowley. They were brought over from Germany. They were Germanic Bavarian individuals that were brought to, 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 to California. Now, when they came there, New York was already bustling and growing and, you know, lots and lots of people there. Very populated. Well, on the West Coast, it wasn't as populated. So they went there to sort of be pioneers, to be pilgrims, if you would. And this is why the one who founded the Bavarians over there in California called them pilgrims. And I'll show you who that person is. It's Charles Taze Russell, the founder of Jehovah's Witnesses. He was the first of these individuals, a Freemason, who was getting involved in corporations and business and sort of loopholes and all kinds of behind-the-scenes control that was allowed to happen through the law, through attorneys, through, Russell had an attorney called Cohen, just like Trump has an attorney named Cohen. And this is a name that goes back to the priesthood. So they weren't just ordinary human beings. And the law that we are being controlled by is not just any law that somehow we gave our consent to. But it is a law that goes back to the earliest of the control of Yahweh and the deity of vengeance and jealousy. And so I want to point out that very carefully. That... This is a Bavarian takeover. And so, why then were they bringing these Bavarians over at this very time, 1915, 1914? Remember, Charles taylor Russell died in 1916, I believe. And I'll read a little bit about how that happened. We've done this before, so I'm not going to go deeply into all the details of his death and stuff, but he he died on... Halloween night in 1916 in a graveyard and it was a arranged ritualistic either murder or was it symbolic and he was taken off to Epstein Island, we don't know. I wasn't there to see his body in the in the tomb, but the world is told that he is buried under this pyramid in this great Masonic. Graveyard in Philadelphia to this day and honored by that pyramid. You know, they always honor the great ones with pyramids or obelisks. If you're one of the greatest ones that everybody looks up to in the occult, then they will give you the great pyramid. Others only get obelisks. Outside of the pyramid stands the obelisk. The great daddy Poopa gets the pyramid. And standing in front of the pyramid will be obelisks which are a little bit like pyramids but long and cylindrical. They're very tall but they're not as wide at the base. So we have Cleopatra who has her own obelisk. Washington who has his own obelisk. You've got a temple made to Lincoln in Washington. A literal temple where they have deified President Abraham Lincoln. And through the obelisk deified Washington in Washington, D.C. So, out of all of the prophets of the devil or the Illuminati leaders of this world, none that I have seen has ever been granted this great pyramid in modern times. And all the rest only get obelisks or tombstones, you know, like the peasants us peasants we get if we're lucky we get a pine box but if you're important they have a big deal and a big ceremony and they make a big uh gravestone but if you're really important you get like a an obelisk which ellen white got an obelisk many of these religious leaders get obelisks but only charles tayle russell got a great big pyramid with this laurel leaf around the cross and the crown, showing that it was Russell who imposed the law of Yahweh back into Christianity and took over and surrounded the the cross and the crown. But I want to point out that Russell existed before Aleister Crowley. Russell was the teacher or the master mason, and we'll show that who had students and brought them over from Germany. One was Rutherford, Judge Rutherford. Again, there are a lot of lawyers and judges and occultic Freemasons. One was Aleister Crowley, who was sent to Hollywood, this holy shrine that they built in the hills there in a little sacred grove, and they built a great temple. Well, Charles T. Russell built a great temple as well, and we'll show you that. So, in the day, in 1915, it says there was a cinema crowd, right? Hollywood producers, movie people, and they were cocaine-crazed sexual lunatics. Hollywood has long been dotted with esoteric spiritual centers, and if he did go seeking, he probably found the Crotana Theosophical Society. Now, understand, people want to, attribute the Theosophical Society to Madame Blavatsky, whom I have said over and over again was a prophet of the Lord. When, when the Lord sends prophets to the world to help us, of course, they will come along and either murder them or something of this nature, and then distort their teachings after they die. So the Theosophical Society wasn't really created by Madame Blavatsky at all. It was created after they murdered her and stifled everything that she taught and turned it into another religion called New Age. So, the Theosophical Society was one of their main arms, which called today New Age. Another major arm, well, controlling all of these arms, was the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. So, I know that's going to come as a shock for people who were ex-witnesses or, you know, even non-ex-witnesses, you're thinking, what? Jehovah's Witnesses don't control the world? Wait till you see what they do control. Okay, you you, you wouldn't be able to, like, if I told you Aleister Crowley controlled the world, you'd go, well, okay, I see what you're saying, because he was this, you know, master mason, grand pupa, and he had students. And so by means of this underground religious cult they run, Secretly the world, yes. So one of Aleister Crowley's students was Anton LaVey, who started the Church of Satan. Also around San Francisco, Marilyn Monroe and Marilyn Manson. A lot of these very powerful, Doris Day, and a lot of these people, most anybody in Hollywood or, or, or the music industry, had to have gotten in through the satanic organizations which initiate you into these roles and make you stars. They make you gods. They make these idols for the rest of these peasants to worship, to become all, so that we are all idolaters and we are all learning to be good little servants, brainwashed to, to obey and lured in through sex and violence. Sexual lunatics, as it says. So it's long been dotted with esoteric spiritual centers. So then, one of Aleister Crowley's students was Parsons, who created NASA. Part of this brought over from Project Paperclip. We always talk about this. Well, Project Paperclip didn't start after World War II. Really, the whole project started years before. These barbarians have been coming over in different waves. After World War II, they came over heavily, certainly, and, and, and began to join the cult that was already established. From the first world war, where those barbarians were brought over here by none other than Charles Taze Russell. He was their grandmaster, Pupa. He he is the grandmaster of all of the satanic evil. It's all based on lies. They may present themselves as Christian or something else, and yet they teach not about Christ. But Jehovah's Witnesses have practiced for many years a black mass where Millions of people get together every year on the memorial of Jesus' death. They don't care about his resurrection at all. They hate that. But they celebrate his death and not his resurrection. But they only celebrate his death in a great black mass where they pass around the bread and the wine, the body and the blood of Christ, and they reject it. Wholesale rejection of Christ. They do not believe that Jesus was the divine being. And I'll show you more about that. So, I want to show you just a little bit about this Ordi or Ordo Templi Orientis that Alistair Crowley was the master mason of and who organized and created this order. And it's called the Order of the Temple of the East or Order of Oriental Templars. Okay, Templars. It is an occult initiatory organization founded at the beginning of the 20th century. The origins of the O.T.O. can be traced back to the German-speaking occultist Karl Kellner, Henrik Klein, Franz Hartmann, and Theodor Rus. Later, the O.T.O. was significantly shaped by the English author and occultist Aleister Crowley. Alistair Crowley's death in 1947, so you see he's much later than Russell. So, we we were talking about all these individuals like Anton LaVey, Parsons, uh, L. Ron Hubbard, who started Scientology. These were all students of Aleister Crowley from the OTO, the Ordo Templi Orientis, which is a sister organization, as we said, with a real society and the skull and bones. And the A Bavarian Illuminati, of course, which created them. But these students from Aleister Crowley is all that people are really even barely aware of. What they don't understand is that this group of German Bavarians that came to Hollywood in about 1915, 1916, 1914, in this area was because of Charles Taze Russell. They were students, all of them, of Charles Taze Russell. And this is why in Hollywood you have these movie production companies they are always something to do with pyramids and eyes and all the media production companies. The media always have the eye of Osiris and the winged disc and all of this and the pyramids. So... It says originally was intended to be modeled after and associated with European Freemasonry, such as the Masonic Templar Organization. Blah blah blah. It says the early history of OTO is difficult to trace reliably, originated in Germany or Austria between 1895 and 1906. Its apparent founder was Karl Kellner. So this was a group of people in Germany. That somehow brought this all over here to America. How did these Germans get over here? Well, even before Project Paperclip in 1945, in the First World War, they were coming over here by the help of influence and financial backing and lawyers such as Cohen, Russell's lawyer, and Judge Rutherford, who was heading up this move to bring them over to Hollywood for the very purpose of, and we will show you proof of this, for the very purpose of creating a mesmerizing cult out of the entire world in Hollywood. Same reason that you see Jehovah's Witnesses today passing around pamphlets and tracts trying to propagandize the world and creating the New World Order Bible, which they are officially behind and have literally joined the United Nations as an equal partner. Charles Russell talked about this millennial dawn. And there's even an off-branch of Jehovah's Witnesses called the millennial dawn. But that word, the millennial dawn, is a definitive occult Masonic term. And... uh, Yeah, there you'll see. So that was what the original magazine was called that today they have, The Awake. But it used to be called something like Millennial Dawn. So originally, Charles Russell had the magazine called The Watchtower. And along with that, they had another magazine that they made called The Golden Age. Okay, The Age, which is dawning, right? Right which there was another occult organization called the Golden Dawn, which was connected to Charles Tay's Bavarian Freemason occult called the International Bible Students, also called the International Millennial Dawn or various corporations, many corporations. And they were all somehow indebted and all the money was funneled To Charles Taze Russell. He was a very wealthy man. Very, very powerful man. So, this is a cult speech. So these words like the golden age or wake, the great wokeness, right? This Awake magazine is preaching the original awokeness of the new age or the golden age or the golden dawn. Now, um, I can't read this whole article here, but I'm just going to pass through this real quickly to show you a few of the high points here. It says, when Charles Taze Russell died in October 1916, only a few of the top Watchtower officials knew that Charles Taze Russell supposedly had borrowed $100,000 back around 1913, 1914, when he was producing the photodrama of Creation. And this was the first motion picture, guys, that was ever made. And in purchasing a temple and adjoining rental property in Manhattan, by that time, Charles Taze Russell had been slowly draining his rich sycophants by typically only in increments of $10,000, which is equivalent today of $260,000 in 2021. By 1914... The fleeced flock were bound to be getting nervous and certainly not in any mood for such a large request, including the Pearson family of AN Pearson, Incorporated, largest florist in the United States, of Cromwell, Connecticut, the extended Coon family, which is that priesthood going back to the Judeans that basically operate and control the uh, bar. Association and lawyers All over the world from London Bar where it started to America and around the world today And they go by the precedence of the law of Moses So the Cohn family of Crumbag Cohn Company Seeds of Toledo, Cleveland Wisconsin, New York, etc The large Weber family of H. Weber and Sons year round Fresh flowers and vegetables Of Oakland, Maryland The Piles family of J.D. Piles supermarket chain of Washington, D.C. The Maxwell family of R.B. Maxwell and Company, General Mercantile, probably the Maxwell coffee, you know, group uh, of Mansfield, Ohio. The Anderson family of Charles H. Anderson and Company, fruit, vegetable, wholesaler of Baltimore, Maryland. Remember, a lot of these guys started these companies and they've already went bankrupt and they've got other companies. They've refinanced and made different companies with different names. They changed their names a lot. So some of these companies that you're hearing or reading here were the original companies to some of the major retailers and companies and things like that and corporations today. And these were all created by Jehovah's Witnesses or members of this cultic Freemasonry Charles Taze Russell cult. And uh so that's a fruit and vegetable wholesaler, of Baltimore, Maryland. Robert and Gertrude Seibert, corporate management of railroads mining nationwide. So they were over mining and, and railroads. This was this was like probably one of the biggest companies in the world, mining and railroads. And so da da da, da goes down to this. They own the New Holland Machinery Company which is the New Holland Tractor Company today, uh, they made engines and stuff for many different things for years. They're a very large company like Ford or 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 Toyota or something like this. And and there's more. They, they own many different companies. It was uh, this Mennonite guy started the New Holland Company, but he ended up becoming a Jehovah's Witness. And it talks about that all the way down. until so he gets down here where it says, 1914, Abraham Zimmerman is noted as having a this is the guy that created the New Holland Tractor Company. He's noted as having a special interest in the photodrama of creation. So, given his supposed retirement, remember, Zimmerman is a Bavarian name. So, he's this Bavarian, right? <laughs> and he's very wealthy. And he likes this idea of this photodrama. Why would you like that? Well, one thing, you might think well I can make a lot of money off this there, hadn't, there wasn't any Hollywood type thing in in that in those days and they wanted to find a way to make modern theater nationwide worldwide for propaganda to control see they can make more money by keeping us slaves so they, they invest in ways to keep the people asleep so 1914 we suspect that by then wealthy Zimmerman may have been Charles Taze Russell's source For that then extremely large $100,000 loan. See they just. It's not really even a loan. These guys are all in it together. It's a. It's the occult. They're just. They're just. uh, Passing money around. With legal loopholes. So that you never find out. Who's owning anything. Or who runs anything. Or what's going on. Like today. The worker-burker-zerker-burker that that young boy that was put over that whole thing called Facebook. He didn't invent it. He didn't, he, this young man couldn't have done anything like that and become a multi-billionaire in just a few years. But it was prior companies, the elite that own the banks and all the money, all the real wealth. And they create these companies like IBM. Bill Gates' his mother sat on the board of IBM. And then they, The same, IBM starts another company, right? They finance, their financiers start another company called Microsoft and they put this woman who is one of these Bavarians, her son over it, just places him over it, right? And says, okay, now you're going to be the one who's responsible for this part of this money. We can't pretend that all this money is in one person's hands and one family. So we'll split it up. We'll give you this company, that company, that company, but it's just a big monopoly. Their daddy's own it all. So Bill Gates' daddy and his mommy are part of a big family with Werner von Braun and the Elon Musk group and the Trumps and, and the, you know, the Drumps from, from Bavaria and all of these people. So here they were at the turn of the century right around just before World War I they were bringing everything to America, getting ready to create this new reset and a place in Hollywood where they could broadcast their, their mesmerizing, wicked, satanic, deep things of Satan to the entire world, and promote pedophilia and evil and violence and so forth. And so it starts here with this photodrama of creation, the first picture, motion picture, and Zimmerman from the Bavarian area over there comes and 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 he's a friend with Russell. And so they go into this partnership. Curiously, Harold and his widowed mother pioneered in Washington, D.C. Now, do you understand why witnesses call it pioneering? They used to also call it pilgrim. They would they would have pilgrims. So they went to California when they were only in New York, basically. They weren't like all over the world yet, right? They just had a few thousand members. And so they had these pilgrims that they would go and take the organization's uh, tentacles all over the world. And then when they got to the place and they and they, they were all over the world like pilgrims, then they did their little pioneer program where they would go into the hamlets and the outskirts of the big cities and proselytize with their pioneers. Why is it called a pioneer? Because they're they knew that they were doing this for the future. You know, the pilgrims came over here to start a new world, right? Well, once they got here, now the Germans want to come over here and start their new world. But it's not what you would think. It's not the, the good new world order that Jehovah's Witnesses are pretending that they're for. But it's the new world order of the deity of vengeance, who is the Illuminati Freemasonry deity called Jehovah. So it goes down here and says, Pyramid Film Company, Mina Film Company, and Perfection Advertising Company, Incorporated. These two separate but related corporations were founded by Russellites on whom was not lost the huge success of the photodrama of creation, the first motion picture. The photodrama was the Watchtower Society's white elephant. While a huge success, the photodrama single-handedly nearly brought about the financial collapse of the Watchtower Society. Not only did the Watchtower Society suffer enormous expenses from the production and showing of the phonodrama, but the photodrama had also siphoned off potential donations as local Russellites personally footed the cost of the local showings. The Pyramid Film Company, Incorporated was founded in 1915 in Dayton, Ohio. We believe the original directors' officers to have been George C. Driscoll, President in Ohio, C.L. Tobias, Okay, there's all these people, uh, Pearson, Stambog, Frederick H. Robinson, and and down the line here, all these people. They're all followers of Russell. Eight movies were released between the startup in 1918. And then it says, um, Although we have not been able to confirm that any of the three locals named as corporate officers were Bible students, Shortly after Pyramid Film Company was formed in Dayton, Ohio, the Perfection Advertising Company was formed in Buffalo, New York. And even later in 1915, to distribute Pyramid Films within Canada, by the way, there's still a there's still these names floating around up in Canada, MENA, the MENA Film Company is not related to a MENA Film Company that's going on up there right now. But I know that they keep naming these things in, in in memory of these original startup names. So you'll see a lot of pyramids in film companies today, even in news organizations and media organizations. So New York, and even later in 1915, to distribute pyramid films within Canada and the eastern United States, if PAC was not another watchtower dummy corporation, then the hiring of an even newer film distribution company by a brand new film production company was the epitome of stupidity. If PAC was another watchtower dummy corporation, such would suggest that another similar firm was formed to distribute pyramids films within the western United States. Mina Film Company was founded the following year, in March of 1916, in New Jersey with a capitalization of 250000 George Driscoll relocated to Hollywood. Okay, guys, this is before there was a Hollywood movie industry. They created it. Jehovah's Witnesses created Hollywood. They made the first motion picture. They brought the Germans over. That was the pre- prelude to Aleister Crowley, the music industry, Anton Levay in the music industry, and all the hand signs and all the, uh, you know, the occult signs that you see, and all the media corporations, CBS, and all the eyes on, on the, the you know AOL and all these uh, sigils, all these Logos that go back to these very words or this pyramid belief system that Charles Taze Russell was instituting as a Freemason. So, it says, uh, Hollywood, California, to act as a manager of MENA Film Studios. While Pyramid Film Company produced films on a variety of secular topics, MENA Film Company was intended to promote or produce films on biblical topics. The original incorporators of Mina Film Company was the who's who of prominent Russellites from across the United States. Ernest W.V. Kuhn, yeah, one of those priest guys, from Toledo, Ohio, was the president. Of course he was. And Judge Rutherford, another one of these relatives of Kuhn, a judge, was heading it up after Russell dies there in Hollywood. So, he was president. John G. Cohen, by then a Brooklyn Bethelite, was vice president. Dr. Leslie W. Jones of Chicago was secretary-treasurer. And Watchtower Society Pilgrim, R. Robert Hollister of Pittsburgh, was in charge of the foreign distribution. Mina Film Company also had an office and production studio in Dayton, Ohio, shared with the Pyramid Film Company as well as a marketing office somewhere in New York City, Mina Film Company stock prospects boasted as to the motives transpiring the directors of the Mina Film Company. The directors wish to assure you that we have taken extraordinary precautions to ascertain the Lord's will respecting this venture. Blah blah. So Mina Film Company was originally founded with the plan that the Watchstar Society would sell it to the photodrama of creation, which would be improved and re-released. However, with the divisions uh, that occurred after the death of Charles Russell, that never happened. Mina then embarked on making an actual silent movie loosely similar to the photodrama, which would also be depiction of human history combined with the Watchtower Society's theological interpretations. That movie took two years to make and purportedly cost $100,000, and the movie was released in 1918 with the name Restitution, although there were other working titles. There reportedly were also multiple versions of such, ranging from 75 minutes in length to 120 minutes. Apparently, just like Russell's followers everywhere else, after his death, no two Russellites at Mina could agree on anything. So anyway, he goes on to talk about this uh, whole Mina thing. And Hollywood, the MENA films, Hollywood Studios, were sold for 45000 to the Brentwood Film Corporation. Now, I looked up these corporations, and they're all out of business, but all of them have other businesses operating under the same name today, but they're different corporations. They just started back up years later under different names. So I may show you some of that here in a minute, but it says in October, 1915 Packers box company was incorporated in New York city with an initial capitalization of 10,000 to manufacture boxes and deal in lumber. Of the three incorporators, see what what you're going to find here is that Charles Russell never bought his stuff from anyone else. They do the same thing today in in Bethel in, in New York where the witnesses are. They don't purchase their paper from somebody they buy a lumber mill. They don't purchase their computers from somebody they build their own computers. They don't make somebody else distribute their literature. They print their own literature. They're like trying to make it really, really cheap so they can canvas the entire world with their propaganda. So they manu—they had a manufacturing company of boxes because they need to, to ship stuff, and they had to have lumber to make the paper. So of the three incorporators, the primary incorporator was the L.F. Munzer, who used the address of the Watchtower Society as their own address on the incorporation document. The name L.F. Munzer matches a female Bethelite whom we know worked as a legal secretary at Watchtower headquarters in 1916. What is puzzling us is that the incorporation occurred after Russell had just downsized unnecessary Brooklyn Bethel staff and after Rutherford had moved to Los Angeles. Well, evidently this is one of Rutherford's mistresses and blah blah blah, we ain't got time to read all this, but it does say that notably the activities of the corporation were consistent with the activities of the Watchtower Society as well as ancillary business ventures such as National Shippers Association. See, Jehovah's Witnesses ship their own stuff. They got their own boats. They they don't use the mail. Did you know that? The watchtowers don't come in the mail. They have their own shipping uh, companies. So here's where that started. The National Shippers Association. The folks who actually... So I wouldn't be surprised if Jehovah's Witnesses are the ones who created UPS or, or... who knows FedEx or something could be, you know, a, a company that started from Russell. That's I'm serious. Russell, when you dig into this, you'll find that Charles Russell, the company, Jehovah's Witnesses today, probably owns some of the biggest, most, the largest companies in the world. Like AT&T and other companies like that and car companies and and and, you know, goodness knows what else. So, I mean, the president... I I mean, one of the governing bodies named Morrison. I'm going to show you a clip here in a minute showing you who this Morris guy is who's one of their governing body and evidently owns, you know, Philip Morris or something, cigarette company. So, we'll see that here in a minute. Um, They put them in as governing body members because they're very powerful company elites. So... I'm only reading you this to show you just how powerful these people are and what they're involved in. And going down, we see in 1916, right after Armageddon had failed to occur in 1914 and 1915. And at that time, when Charles Taze Russell and the Watchtower Society were in their greatest financial distress, a new publishing corporation was formed in New Jersey called National Shippers Association. And it tells you the people that ran that, Alfred and Richie, Andrew Pearson. And it says like Solon Society. This was another baby of the Woodworth future editor of the Golden Age magazine. Okay, so there's where that Golden Age magazine came in, the, the millennial dawn or 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 the the lights early dawn of this New World Order that the devil was planning. In March of 1916, a monthly magazine edited by J. Woodworth on the topic of up-to-date postage, freight, and shipping rates and information was copyrighted under the name of National Shippers Association. So they got that. And then it says, um, well, then it starts telling you this whole story where Russell was telling Judge Rutherford to go out there and run this big mining corporation in california and they were at the same time while they were there in california building these movie industries so then we get down here to the angelico angel phone company richie and cook in september of 1916 angelico was formed by charles russell to manufacture and distribute three different models of phonographs known as angel phones and also manu angel phones Wow. This all got started by religion, guys. Hollywood is not some secular thing. It's a religion. It's the occult. They're brainwashing your children. So they were known as angel phones and also manufacture and distribute and accompany with a set of 50 records which had Watchtower Society hymns recorded on one side and an explanatory lecture recorded on the reverse side. The Watchtower Society had already been selling phonographs in conjunction with showing the photodrama, and the plan to do their own manufacturing had been in the works for months prior to the actual formation of the company. A price list for the three models of the Angel phones had even been published in June in the Watchtower magazine. A fire at the separate recording studio in February 1916 may have delayed implementation of the scheme. Yeah, it's a scheme, all right. And The manufacturer Angelico and the sales from Ritchie and Cook were set up in a Fulton Street location adjacent to Brooklyn Bethel. In the personal names of Watchtower Society Vice President Alfred Ritchie and Bethelite Cook, all business activities, including the assembly of the units, were performed by 13 unpaid Bethelites. After Russell's death, Ritchie claimed that Russell initially had planned only to manufacture the records and sell such through retail stores. However, after retail stores showed no interest in retailing one million records for which Russell had already contracted, Charles Taze Russell decided also start manufacturing the phonographs so both could be sold directly to the general public. And then this is and da blah blah. They they were known as coal porters. And Ritchie further revealed that Russell had hoped to sail off. Angelico, once his followers had it up and going. So see, they were really, they had quite a plan. They're gonna make the phonographs, the records, the movies, the 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 lumber, the shipping. They had it all down. And I think it it did not fail. I think the world as we see it today, as it's running like a fine-tuned engine, was built partially or even maybe more than we know be possible was created by the ingenuity and the plans of those like John D and Edward Kelly who were channeling Satan and creating the Illuminati who brought these great Freemasons to power like Charles Russell who had students and was incorporated and financed and built this machine we call Hollywood and Congress and NASA and all of these things. So Russell brought them over to Hollywood. They created not just Hollywood there, but NASA. They created Silicon Valley, which is where they make computers, right? they were making phonographs and they have to make more than phonographs. Eventually they got more advanced and they started making computers. Like I say, I don't have absolute proof of this, but when I lived in Sacramento, right near Silicon Valley, most of Jehovah's Witnesses worked in Silicon Valley and were executives and CEOs of all of these companies. I personally was disfellowshipped by uh, the president of AT and do believe that the company, the computer company, like you call that they used to call Hewlett Packard, uh, was originally Packard Bell, right? Because Bell Telephone and AT and is all one big organization. And I think they're all related. Bell Telephone, Hewlett, Packard, I believe was a Jehovah's Witness or connected in some, you know, some, they don't even have to be Jehovah's Witnesses. They can be Satanists. They can be Scientologists. They're all working together. A lot of people in Hollywood are Jehovah's Witnesses. Most of the producers and things like this or they're Bavarians, you know what, or they're Satanists or Scientologists, like Tom Cruise. But they all work together because it's one organization and they have different sort of uh, aspects to the organization. Levels. So, now we're going to get to the good stuff. So it says Rutherford, which is the guy that took over for Russell, his right-hand man, strongly pro-German. Some pro-German sentiment was expressed by the homecoming Brooklynites, especially by Joseph Rutherford. And it I'm not going to read all that where he's just, you know, talking so wonderfully about all these Germans and how he thought they were so wonderful. Well, it's this Pastor Russell's secret gold mine that he had over there in California, which we're not even sure if it was a real gold mine. This could be symbolic of something else they were working on. I believe it may have been, it was either a gold mine that they were using to make money so they could promote and finance all of this, or it doesn't seem like they would need that because they really run the banks anyway. It may have just been a kind of a false FLAG to make it look like they had, that's how they were getting their money or whatever, and they were really getting it laundered by the, who knows? I don't really understand, because why would they be mining in a soda springs and there was never any record of any gold coming out of there in the first place? May have just been a way to, you know, write things off on their taxes. But Rutherford was sent there, and at the same time, they were creating these movie industries and phonograph companies and, you know, all kinds of advanced technology to promote their occult ideology and bringing these Germans over. Okay, so Pastor Russell's secret gold mine along with Russell's movie business and possibly other Jesse dubs connected investments in sulfur and asphalt um, in California were likely the reasons that Russell sent Judge Rutherford in mid-1915 to live and work in California. To secretly keep an eye on all of Russell West Coast business operations. And also performing the Pilgrim, quotations, Pilgrim. Why Why do they call a Pilgrim again? Because they were the first, these Pilgrims of the satanic evil to be planted on American soil on the West Coast. So you guys who were Jehovah's Witnesses and you were pioneering, you have no idea. I know I did it too. I was brainwashed too. I wasn't a pioneer for the Lord. I was a pioneer for the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society who was promoting Satanism, whose student was Aleister Crowley and and L. Ron Hubbard and Anton LaVey. So, in 1916, rumors of Russell's secret gold mine were leaked beyond Pastor Russell's inner circle to his rank-and-file followers whom Russell did not want to learn about such. So he included uh, a notice and da-da-da-da. Brethren, he writes a letter, you know, like some sort of apostle or something, you know. So it says, by the end of 1915, mining season, Pastor Russell had gambled quite an amount of scarce assets. You know, it was just a scam. There was nothing going on with the gold mine. I don't know what that was all about. What was really going on is they were building up Hollywood. So, and like it says here, it was a dummy partnership used by Charles Taze Russell for the Soda Springs mining operation. It was dissolved on March 31st, 1917 by Judge Rutherford. So that was probably just some sort of a, uh, uh, some sort of camouflage for what they were doing. But if you look at here, it says, while not wishing to fall for the same misdirection used on local observers, Back in 1916, admittedly, it is possible that while expending the time and money mining for gold in the nearby Soda Mountains, that Charles Taze Russell may also have started mining and processing the available salt, soda, etc. at Soda Lake. Reportedly, many of the laborers, the people that worked for him, were Germans. And it is believed that some or all may have been brought to Soda Spring from Germany. So, here we have, right after World War I, right in the middle of World War I, basically, we've got Charles Taze Russell literally bringing these barbarians over with some fake dummy organization supposedly mining, but what were they really doing? Well, we now know they were creating not just Hollywood, but the satanic... Religion, Scientology, the music industry, Silicon Valley, the computer, the phonograph, records. And this is what led to CDs and 8-tracks and today uh, digital computers and and everything else. So now, I'm probably going to just... I know it's not an in-depth study there, but we don't have that much time. So I promised you some information that we're just not going to have time to do today. So I'm going to have to make a part two to this. So I have some clips and some crazy stuff and evidence that I need to show you. And I think it'll be even more interesting and fascinating The video we'll do tomorrow on this subject, we'll do part two, and I really appreciate that you watched all the way through this, because I think we need to get this message out, not just for ex-Job's witnesses, but really the whole world needs to know what Hollywood's doing, and everything else that's going on, the Silicon Valley and the computers and everything, and who's behind all this. So that we are not deceived into thinking this is somehow Christianity, what they've made us think Christianity really is, when it's not the true Christianity, and Jehovah is not our Heavenly Father. So, just so you guys know what to expect for tomorrow's video on this, I'm going to show you some pictures and some evidence that Jehovah's Witnesses are very deep into the occult, and we're not talking about the good side. And that, if what you're looking at there in that picture, is a great assembly location, Like one of their temples where they go every year for their big gatherings. And as you can see, from the air, you can see that it's a great big pyramid. But it's a lot more than just a pyramid. There's whole bunches of signs in that that cannot be accidental. We'll show you that tomorrow. Certainly you see the eye there. Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and go, guys. May the Lord bless you. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a good one.